Good morning, my friends. Welcome to this episode of Happiness After Codependency. I am Marshall Bertrand. I'm your guide back to happiness and well-being after going through narcissistic, abusive, emotionally unavailable relationships and having developed codependency as a survival response to that. I'm going to show you how to live beyond that codependency, back in your own sovereignty, your own personal power, your own wholeness, innate value so that you can be who you are and enjoy it. So today we're starting a new series because a little inspiration showed up for me this morning. Um, I'm calling it Pivoting Your Codependency. In this series, we're going to be exploring what to do in place of common codependent habits. Today, we're, we're focusing on the people-pleasing habit or the please-to-appease habit, what we do instead of that. So we're going to be Jumping into that here in just a moment. Before we do that, I need to get this shared out to the community here real quick. So I can click a button. The community is your safe haven here on the internet where you can find tools, support, guidance in your own journey out of codependency. Link is above on Facebook, below on YouTube. Make sure you check the rules as well to make sure that the community is a good fit for what you need in your journeys. And because you've got to know the rules and we expect that you'll follow those rules. But you also get reminders in the group about those rules and maybe some corrections if indeed something goes on. As well as if you're following on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and share this video out, guys, to people you know will benefit from it. If you're listening via podcast, please do the same. Thank you guys again for your support. I'm excited that you're here. So let's jump in and talk a bit about this idea of pleasing to appease or also known as the fawn response. Uh, Fawning is number four in the four options our body has in responding to a threat. So when the body encounters a a threat to its survival, it's either going to fight it, it's going to flee from it, it's going to freeze and play dead until that threat passes, or it's going to try to appease that threat. And the pleasing, people-pleasing habit of trying to make other people feel better, feel good, um, trying to make them happy, trying to get them to feel a certain way so we can feel a certain way is a form of fawning. It's an expression of that uh, biological impulse for sur- uh, for survival, trying to appease the threat. So people-pleasing's goal is to reduce the threat of harm from a toxic or unstable or threatening situation, person, place, or thing. Typically, it's going to be a person, and the way this is going to show up in our world is we're going to violate our own boundaries, our own well-being. We're going to ignore our own awareness, our own pain, and we're going to let them get away with things. We're going to excuse what they do so it can show up as enabling. We are going to minimize the pain we felt, and we're going to maximize their pleasure. We are going to... uh, appeal to what they want in order for them to like us or at least not harm us anymore. People pleasing, I've seen it show up in a variety of different forms. My own world, one of the first places I can recall it showing up was me trying to buy the right candy bar so the other person would like me. That was a form of people pleasing right there. Uh, Further, it was doing things I thought that they would want me to do but they never really asked for. I was actually getting in their yard, interfering in their world. Um, I, With healthy people, they were like, that 
that's not appropriate. Stop doing that. You're violating my boundaries. With with unhealthy, people are like, yeah, do it more. Take care of this problem for me. Fix this thing for me. Yeah, make me feel good. Now, that kind of thing. This is different than doing something for someone you love because you know it'll bring them joy. Because when we do something for someone we love and care about and it'll bring them joy, we're not harming ourselves. We're not harming or interfering with them in any way. We're adding to their well-being and happiness. And as long as what we're doing actually isn't you know, taking from us in a way that would hurt us, right? Um, an example of a healthy approach to this would be helping someone with something that they're struggling with that they've asked help for or you've asked in order to help. And that, that brings you some joy. But it's not you're not doing it in order to get them to love you. You're not doing it in order to get them to feel safer with you or for you to feel safer with them. Um, you're doing it because you genuinely want to contribute that to their world. Hi, Deborah. And so that is, you know, caring for someone. Now, an unhealthy aspect of this would be doing something for someone and it hurts us emotionally, physically. It, it brings a burden on us financially, physically or emotionally. We push ourselves beyond our capacity, beyond our, our lane, our skills, our knowledge, things like that. We take on responsibilities on their behalf that they should be taking on on their behalf things like that this is the way people pleasing shows up one one example from a past client was that they would buy they would see cars for sale uh and and for in like a person's driveway and they would buy the car uh, just so that that person wouldn't have that burden anymore of selling that car that's a form of people pleasing it's also a form of fixing those tend to go hand in hand there so behind the people-pleasing impulse is actually anxiety. It's a discomfort with their discomfort. The uh, people-pleaser does not have a large capacity to tolerate the discomfort other people experience. And they also have a habit of internalizing that discomfort as their responsibility. And this is where we become enmeshed with another individual's experience, their emotions, what they're doing in their world. Our work here, if you're a people pleaser, which most codependents are, is to actually build tolerance for the discomfort other people have and begin retrieving yourself from their yard and giving back to them the responsibilities that they naturally have. In other words, let's let people solve their problems. Let's let them have discomfort. Let's let them be disappointed in whatever they're disappointed in, including ourselves. Let's let people be people as they choose to be in their yards. And then with how they respond to things in their world, whether it's ourselves or their own environment, their own situations, let that, let that inform us about them so we can know how they fit with us in our world or how they don't. Because this is where you discover people's patterns of behavior in response to stress, to discomfort, to consequences, to successes, to failures, to pain, to joy, all of that. We want to be attuned to these patterns of behaviors because that's going to tell us what we can expect if we interact with this person. That way we're outside the fantasy, a codependent fantasy of trying to make this person into a particular thing or 
assuming that they are a thing and then it's our job to get them to be that thing, that kind of stuff. So we stay out of fantasy. Right? That's part of the pivot here is first starting to understand what our impulse is. So there's a discomfort in us, an anxiety about someone else's situation. There's an anxiety about how they think about us. We think that their approval equals I'm lovable. So we have to retrieve our value from them, give back to them their right to not like us to do whatever they want, and accept and allow that to be what it is and build tolerance or capacity around allowing ourselves to feel that discomfort and allow that difference to exist. Because one thing we do with people-pleasing is we try to get people to like us so that they won't hurt us. We try to get people to like us by becoming what we think they want us to be, by doing things we think they will like. Even though we don't want to do it, even though it doesn't actually feel good to us, it does alleviate the discomfort for a moment, but this is where we experience emotional burnout. This is where we build anxiety into our nervous system because we're becoming hypervigilant on what this person is doing. Hi, Robin. Have a safe flight. So we, we are becoming other-oriented or externally-oriented around this individual in order to regulate our own emotional discomfort based on their reactions. So becoming attuned to and acknowledging our discomfort about their situation or their perspective or their state of being towards us or other people, places, and things is our first step in breaking out of the people-pleasing habit, out of the fawn response, and beginning to pivot towards our own sovereignty. Okay? So this is what we do instead of people-pleasing. So we first allow ourselves to, be dis to have the discomfort, and second, we then respect their adulthood and our adulthood. We respect the separation between us and them. The space, the space or separation is created by autonomy. This is an autonomous individual who has the rights to do whatever they want, feel whatever they want, and and then inherit the consequences, impacts and results that those things create for them. Just as we have that right to feel what we want, do what we want, and then inherit the outcomes, results, or consequences those create. When we respect this sovereignty, this autonomy, then we can start allowing ourselves to acknowledge what we really feel about the situation with the person, which is we don't feel safe. We are scared that we are not lovable, so we're seeking our sense of lovability through them. We're scared that they might hurt us or harm us, so we're trying to placate them. This is where we start getting in contact with reality, with our own sober experience, our own lived reality, so that we can, can so that we can begin to care for ourselves. So we begin to go, okay, this person treats me this way, and that's scary, and that hurts, and that's not fulfilling, so now I know where my boundary is. Now I know what I need, and now I know that I need to seek out better resources for those needs to be nurtured through and stop hoping that this person will change if I do enough positive, loving, affirming, uh, fixing, or enabling things towards them. Now that's our pivot there. Because codependent behaviors, my friends, are driven by internal legitimate needs. 
the emotional needs for acceptance, for play, for uh, attention, for uh, validity, for um, shelter, for intimacy, for rest, those kinds of things. These are all valid needs, but we're using codependent approaches or strategies to get those needs met. And that creates a toxic situation for us and for them. Um, why? Because codependency is about trying to get something from another individual in a way that is indirect with our needs and wants. We're not direct, clear, simple with it. And it makes sense why we're doing this because we don't feel safe with this individual. Now, if we don't feel safe with someone, we need to stop right there and get real clear with ourselves as to why we don't feel safe. Why do I feel the need to please this person? Why do I need them to feel good about me? This kind of introspection, this kind of discovery is what we need to be exploring so we can get those answers and know what's really going on so we make better decisions going forward. That's the key. So when we have a codependent impulse such as people-pleasing, that's our signal that something's wrong, that we are scared and we have a need for safety because we all have three, three essential needs, safety, connection, and identity. And people-pleasing attempts to fulfill those three things through its actions. So if we find ourselves trying to please someone, that's where we step and we go, okay, what do I need for safety? What's unsafe here? What's telling me it's unsafe? And sometimes they're fine. They're, they're, they're a safe person. They're beat. Their behavior is aligned with the eight relationship bare minimums. They show up trustworthy. They're empathetic. They're kind. They're consistent. They're reliable. They take accountability. And so sometimes our trauma in the past is speaking up and trying to find safety through these people-pleasing elements. So rather than confronting them with a problem we're having or feelings that we're dealing with or concerns we have, we ignore it because we know that they'll feel better. We tell them what we want, what they want to hear. So then, you know, they'll be they won't be upset with us um, because that's what we predict. <coughs> Sorry about that. That's why we predict will happen if we if we uh, speak up. That's our trauma talking. So we do have some some work to do in differentiating why we're doing it. How relevant is my people pleasing response to the situation or person I am dealing with? If they're harmful, they're unreliable, they're manipulative, they gaslight. Their, their abusive behaviors present in the relationship, then it makes sense why we're fawning, why we're people-pleasing. Now, if they're a healthy person and we're fawning towards them, also makes sense because we're still not feeling safe, which means we need to do some work on healing that trauma so we can get connected to our well-being and happiness and then connect with them from a place of sovereignty and freedom. That's, it's a big pivot. But the first step in that is let acknowledge the discomfort we experience and allow that to be legitimate. So allow that to be real. Let, allow them to have discomfort. Allow yourself to have it. And then explore why there's discomfort. Why is there a low level of safety in this relationship? Is it a healthy, safe relationship? Is it not? From there, we can start to then make the bigger decisions about where we go. Do we end the relationship because it's toxic and abusive? Or do we um, move towards therapy to understand more of this? Or do we need to work on building more safe connection? Because they're a safe person. We want to be with them. 
What do I need to, to look at and resolve in my world? Like my attachment to stress, trust, working out any attachment harm we might have experienced, any proximity, um, anxiety like they're too close emotionally, um, any need for um, too much space, like, oh, I need a lot of space from this person because that's too much for me, things like that. There's, a, there's things to explore. But our first step in that pivots that discomfort, then acknowledging the reality of the relationship. The ultimate end game here with people pleasing, the opposite of it is advocacy for ourselves and letting other people be. So it's respect for them and then advocacy for ourselves, which means I ask for what I want when I want it in a really direct, clear, simple, and kind way with them. That's it. That's what we do. When they do something that we're not comfortable with or that we, we uh, cross as a boundary for us, or, or that we feel hurt or concerned by, we speak up about it. We rock that boat. We don't leave things comfortable when they're actually not comfortable. Because things, when they're comfortable in a healthy relationship, are comfortable for everyone involved. It has to be everyone, not just them or not just you. Everyone involved needs to be experiencing that level of comfort in order for it to actually be an honest experience. So the pivot from people-pleasing uh, to advocacies that discomfort, gauging the health of the relationship, and working out any traumas that need to be dealt with. So that's critical. That's what we're exploring there. I'm going to check the comments here. Robin says, we are a culture of enabler enablers. It is seen as goodness when we... Yeah. It is, yeah. Well, and it, it kind of makes sense because a lot of our culture is driven by narcissistic ideals. And so no wonder people pleasing praise because it's always favoring the other person rather than making sure that everyone in the experience is well-resourced, cared for, loved, and valued. <clears throat> Deborah says, I've been pivoting my interactions with my sister. Sometimes I don't see how she's manipulating me to care for her. Out of habit, I started caretaking her. Out of habit, I start to see people pleasing so yeah, now you're you're getting more into it, listening to your body. Hey, this discomfort, I don't want to do this. This isn't what I want. And we go back to that word of want. I don't want to do this. That's key. It doesn't, when we are outside of people pleasing, our want rules the territory. When we're in people pleasing, it's like, well, I have time. I have resources. I have energy. I don't want to do it, but I have the resources. That's people-pleasing because what it's doing is it's violating our own boundary, our own want, our own desire. We're forcing ourselves to move in this direction when we don't want to. We're outside of that. We're in our own want, and our own want has boundaries. It has a yes and a no to it. And when we come from a place of want, we're coming from a place of fostering joy for ourselves and fostering a larger scope of well-being in our reality. So I don't want this, then they, then you don't have to do it. Um, and some of that's contingent on situations. There's some things we have to do that we don't want to do, but it's necessary for our well-being and happiness. So there is, you know, nuance dependent on the context there. But ultimately, if we're building more of our choices based on what we want rather than what we feel like we should do or feel like what would um, make them happy only, because that's people-pleasing again. They're the only ones that are happy in this. You know, 
if we're building from that want, we are going to be in a much better place for ourselves because now we're advocating for an actual boundary that matters to us. We're operating from our own values. We're able to have more joy in our world. And guys, my friends, think about this. They are an adult. They have all the capability to fulfill their own needs and wants and desires too. They don't need us that way. People-pleasing has a need behind it. Like, oh, they need me. Because we confuse being needed with being loved. They aren't the same thing. Yeah, I get it. It feels good to be needed, but it's also exhausting. It's especially exhausting when that's all there is. Because being needed has some weight. It can feel really heavy. I feel like we are the source for this person and this thing. And that's a huge amount of pressure, huge amount of weight that isn't ours. When we respect the capability that these people, these other people, places, things can take care of what they want and need in their lives, then we get the option to find out if we actually really want to contribute to them. And if we do really want to contribute, then we can ask. We can gain consent and we can put boundaries on it. But it all starts with understanding and respecting our own territory, our own capacity, our own wants, our own value, and respecting their autonomy. And getting out of this idea that they need, you know, that person needs me or XYZ. No, they don't. I'm not that essential to their world at all. There is more to me than being needed. I'd rather be loved than needed. Because being loved, I can I feel seen, I feel valued. There's play, there's joy in it, there's connection. It's much more nourishing, whereas being needed feels it's highly transactional, it's very limited, it's very heavy. It's where we burn out. So there we go, guys. That is today's episode. Thank you for showing up. We're going to be going deeper on mapping codependent impulses, the needs that drive them, and connecting them to healthy behaviors and the Healing Codependency Essentials trainings that start here April 11th after we're done with the five-day workshop. So come join us. If you join uh, the um, Healing Codependency Essentials trainings, you get the five-day workshop included because the trainings you go through in the workshop are directly related to the work you're going to be doing in the Healing Codependency Essential training. So literally, you're starting your work. When you start with the workshop and go into those trainings and then into the happiness after codependency system <coughs> that's the work so we're getting you started there to learn more about that link is above on facebook below on youtube and on my front page if you're listening via podcast at free self.com again thank you guys for being here come join us for the workshop we start march 28th and join us for the healing codependency essentials trainings we start april 11th go gently with yourselves explore where you can pivot towards your wants and your boundaries and your well-being by acknowledging the discomfort, checking in with the health of that relationship, and ending that people-pleasing by exchanging it for self-advocacy and respect of autonomy. So go gently. I'll see you guys in our next episodes. Bye-bye.